0: Support for The Soundwriters Show is provided in part by Cycle Barn of Smoky Point, your destination location for all things Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki, and KTM. Featuring a large showroom and fully staffed service area, the Smoky Point Cycle Barn is the place to come and compare all the latest models, have your bike serviced, and shop for aftermarket apparel and parts. Visit them online at CycleBarn.com.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Lee from Racer Gloves USA. Welcome to the Sound
0: Rider Show. And now, live from the Crows Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Merritt, and whoever else happens to drop by today.
1: Welcome, writers and readers, to the May 2021 Soundwriter Show. We've got a special guest a little later on in the show who's just returned from a junket to Moab, Utah. If that's a destination you've been considering, he just may have some words of inspiration for you. As for news bites, uh, we recently got word from the Washington Department of Transportation that they are completing the clearing of the snow on SR-20, also known as the Cascade Highway between Marble Mount and Winthrop. And they should have that open in a few weeks. It's a lot of fun to ride, and as always, make sure you ride safe when you get on there. The calendar in May is pretty empty once again. A few track days, and that's about it. Uh, In June, the Black Dog Dual Sport will commence in Hood River. See the calendar page on soundrider.com for the dates and a link to the event page. Our Café to Café Grand Tour is going well. We've got about 60 riders out there competing, and you can still sign up to do it yourself if you like. Everyone's a winner. Just got to hit all 15 locations. More information about that is at soundrider.com. I started thinking the other day about events around the world that aren't happening. And one of the big events each spring is the Isle of Man TT. So I put together a few things about the British Isle you might not know about. The Isle of Man was first inhabited by humans about 6500 BC. The land developed as a result was called Manx, Manx Gaelic. Although it was the primary language of its its inhabitants, English-speaking visitors who later settled on the island prevailed, and the last person known to speak Manx fluently died in 1974. It's still considered the official language of the island, and recently, 53 people have relearned the language, and they are considered to be first speakers – with another 1,800 second-language speakers behind them. In the 1800s, cats were living on the Isle of Man. They developed an odd mutation as they bred. Their tails got shorter with each generation. Originally known as stubbing cats, they were later renamed as manx cats. They can and have been bred with other cats, and today you will see short hair, longhair, tabby, tuxedo, mackerel, and many other cross crossbreeds, with the tell-tale distinguishing trait being the missing tail. During cat shows in the late 19th century, there was no category for Manx, and they were shown under the other category. Finally, in 1903, they were officially accepted as a breed and able to compete amongst themselves. Well, now we come up to the motorcycle portion of the story. Two years later, in 1905, the first motorcycles were raced in the International Motorcycle Cup Race on the Isle of Man as part of the Gordon Bennett Eliminating Trial, which began just one year before with automobiles. A few years later, in 1907, the first Isle of Man TT races were run and have continued all the way into the 21st century, although during World War I and II, the races were shelved. When racing returned in 1946, the event surfaced as the Manx Grand Prix, then returned as the Isle of Man TT in 1947. Norton Motorcycles, who participated in every Isle of Man TT since its 1907 debut into the 1970s, felt it might fit to apply the name Manx to its racing models, dubbing their 1936 to 1940 series of roadster racers as Manx Grand Prixs. The first consumer models came to market after World War II, and the Grand Prix part of the name was dropped. Norton shuttered their doors in the 1960s, but the name has been passed on as part of the assets and used on a number of post-Norton builds. It's common to see the Norton Manx being run during vintage races, and they show up at local bike nights here and there in the Pacific Northwest fairly frequently. From language to cats and then motorcycles, the Manx name has had quite a ride. Due to the pandemic, there was no Isle of Man TT held in 2020, and that will be the case this year as well. With any luck, the event will return in 2022, and one would hope by then the announcers will have had time to learn Manx as their second language and call the races in the native tongue, with subtitles, of course. And those of us who can't make the trip to the British Isle can all watch from home with our trusty Manx cats by our side. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we've got our interview with our Moab guest.
0: Support for The Sound Riders Show is provided in part by Cascade Motorcycle Safety. Featuring two ranges located in Anacortes and Bellingham, Cascade Motorcycle Safety offers beginner and intermediate rider courses and is certified to test riders for their motorcycle endorsement. For more information, visit their website at Cascade Motorcycle Safety today.
1: My name is Jason Omar, I'm from Ferndale, Washington, and one of my favorite rides is riding 134 miles an hour down the Bonneville Salt Flats on my 1948 Panhead. Hey, this is Austin Weaver from Travel Penticton, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Back on the Soundwriter Show. I'm Tom Aaron, the publisher, and I have a special guest here in the studio today. If you're a listener of this show, you've heard his voice every time you heard the show because he opens and closes the show. Uh, I've got Harvey Gilgerson here with me, who has been a long time part of Soundwriter helped me put together the rally in the gorge. He's always there when I need him for whatever stuff I need him for. And uh, he has just completed a trip out to Moab and uh, thought it might be interesting for the listeners to kind of get an inside look at what it what it takes to put together a trip to go to Moab, uh, the kind of thinking that you might want to have ahead of time during uh, what are you going to do if you've got to go to Plan B, that sort of thing? So, uh, Harvey, how you doing?
0: Good today. Pretty darn good.
1: Good. Um, if I want to go to Moab, how, how many days is it going to take me to get there from the Pacific Northwest?
0: Well, I didn't look at the map again, but it's about 1,000 miles. And so uh, we just uh, wanted to go ahead and take a nice leisurely trip down with a stopover without having to make uh, the drive all the way through.
1: Uh, at 500 miles a day, that's a butt kicker right there right.
0: if you've got relief drivers it's fine
1: yeah I, I i might do it three each way i think just yeah. to not kill myself but uh, uh and you guys there was five of you on this trip six six and you guys kind of worked as a team and put together a, a special trailer that you were able to put the bikes all onto.
0: had a big trailer had a uh, work party the week before Had some specialized hardware that made uh, loading the bikes easier. We loaded the bikes uh, after we had this little uh, work party to get the bikes ready. And then the following week, after we'd had the bikes loaded and staged, we took off the following Friday, Friday afternoon.
1: And among the six of you, you you had a couple of people who were familiar with the area and were able to sort of map out ahead of time where you guys would go riding, right?
0: Yeah, three of the guys uh, had a lot of direct knowledge, had uh, a lot of good uh, digital trails loaded, a good idea of what they wanted to do and some familiarity with the uh, topography down there.
1: So if if someone's thinking about, Going to Canyonlands, uh, one of the things I would suggest is that they get themselves a a good atlas, like a benchmark atlas, and they can kind of do their research and follow along. Uh, Let's talk about a few of the the places that were highlights for you guys during this trip. Uh, Schaefer Canyon?
0: Schaefer Canyon was just one of the more uh, popular lookouts, and it just happens to look over a, a big valley with a lot of trails, And so, yeah, that was one of those that we went uh, with the car to to use as a photographic overlook as well as passing through on a ride or two.
1: Okay. white rim?
0: White rim is uh, one of the permitted areas. You have to go ahead and get a day-use permit. Uh, you can do that online or in person over at the visitor center, and that's one of those things you have to pre-plan just a little bit. The volume of people wasn't a problem at that point. We didn't have a problem getting a permit. We just had to do it.
1: Yeah, and you don't want to g- try to go in without the permit because then you might be having your bikes towed
0: out. Yeah, or probably something. busted. Yeah, they had rangers along the way. Yeah.
1: Um, we did do a little homework on this, and it turns out that although the Benchmark Atlas is really good, uh, they will tell you where the fee areas are to go into the national parks. But a lot of the places that we're talking about here are outside the national park, and they don't note it in the atlas uh, as to if you're going to have to pay for a permit or not. So you've got to do a little more homework than just looking at an atlas to figure that out. Let's uh, see, Long Canyon.
0: Uh, Long Canyon was uh, a good route to go uh, you know through a cut through for several of the locations we ended up going. Uh, I did note that I think the whole week of riding with my uh, uh, my fellow travelers there they only had the one requirement of the the day use for white rim we didn 't come across something they wanted to do or needed a permit for
1: okay uh, area called salt flat, which which, as I understand from you, is not flat.
0: Yeah, Salt Flats is, I think, a state park. It's at the other end of town, south end of town. It's right there at the very end of Moab, and it's a real neat, you know, challenging low speed, uh, you know, four wheel drive. Or in the case of, you know, three of the guys that we went with, they did the motorcycles as well, and they actually have, uh, you know, either rental four wheel drives or uh, the tourism kind of multi people SUVs. They had a couple of big Hummers that they had doing slow rock crawls. So it's right there in town and, and pretty neat, actually, at at uh, slow speed. For those that don't get out and do it themselves, they can go ahead and hire somebody or you know rent one of the little four-wheelers and go yeah. do that. Well,
1: I was kind of interested in that because, um, you know, riding motorcycles is, is fun, challenging, and if that's the only thing you want to do. But I know when I go to places, I want to get off the bike sometimes and do a little something different so they've got these four-wheel drive tours you can book into or rent a four-wheel drive
0: they've got side-by-sides they've got uh, little you know somewhat not very serious four-wheelers that you can rent if you're not very adventurous uh you have uh some more advanced you know real capable four-wheel drives that you can rent uh, and then also they have the tours where you have a driver and multiple people in the seat and they can still go these you know kind of scary crawl uh routes that are pretty fun now you guys were
1: lucky to have good weather the whole time you're down there um i think it had rained just on one day right
0: yeah i would suggest you know anything you do on a motorcycle you're geared up and if you get in the real hot weather it can be uncomfortable so I'm not sure I'd like the idea of going down to Moab in, you know, July or August but yeah. uh, we very specifically targeted uh the uh, we left on uh, Friday the 9th we targeted in the middle of April because uh good time of year mile weather and more importantly it was a week after a massive jeep rally so we didn't want to run into a ah, a bunch a of folks there too. to clog the trails or be more of a hassle in town so it worked out just fine
1: yeah yeah and then um on that day when you did have some rain uh, you guys kind of went plan b and and did do some four-wheel drive stuff
0: We had a big uh, Ford F-350 that pulled the the large trailer down, and then we had a Toyota Tundra that was, uh, excuse me, a Tacoma that was real capable. And so we took the the two trucks, and uh, knowing it was a rain day, and it rained early, so they decided not to go ahead and plan any rides, uh, we went out uh, to some real challenging uh, four-wheel drive trails at about a third of the way up. Uh, We wanted to see how far this uh, F-350 would go and feel comfortable without trashing the the underside of (laughs) his car. Without having to
1: try to winch it back out. Yeah, or or
0: completely screwing up his front fascia or his running boards. And so he went about a third of the way with us. We went ahead and and, uh, went the the rest of the way and uh, ended up coming in the back way of, of arches. And then the last half of the day, we... Uh, came down through arches and exited the visitor center but that was a lot of fun going through these nice uh low speed kind of of trails out in the middle of nowhere on the fringe and then included inside Arches National Park. That was a lot of fun.
1: So when you came into Arches, you came in sort of a gravel way, right?
0: Yeah, came in a way that's, you know, it's certainly not a regular public entry way that uh, was there a fee the family entry wouldn't come. On
1: that well,
0: well, you have you have the regular highway entrance and there's a a fee to get into the national park. So if you're challenging enough to go in the back way, it's certainly legal, but the point is there's no, you know, fee entry point.
1: Okay. All right um different resources that people could use i think you guys were using a set of butler maps
0: well i had a butler map uh we had a couple of different maps um the guys were using and i don't know i'm uh, sorry to say i don't know what a couple of the apps they were using for certain trail information and they had a couple of uh, maps maybe a national park map Uh, i am the the uh more rookie of the uh, the guys generally when it comes to off-road stuff. I've got a DR650. I don't ride it a lot. Uh, the stuff I've done hasn't been real challenging. The most challenging aspect of what I've done in the past is I did the Desert 100 a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Didn't do the race, but I specifically went to see if I could you know play with my skills Uh, Get better and better, and uh, I did enjoy my weekend. But as I was saying earlier, I uh, got bucked off a dozen times that particular week, so it was a nice learning experience. Those
1: darn six fifties—they're real buckaroos, aren't they?
0: I think I could have done the same admirable (laughs) job on anything you stuck under me that weekend.
1: (laughs) All right, so so let's talk about common sense. I mean, there's six of you down there. Everybody has different riding skills. Uh, You feel it's probably important to uh, know your own limits and turn around on your own when you need to.
0: And different bikes, right?
1: Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Now, you did have a little get-off, and it resulted in a broken collarbone. So let's talk about uh, medical resources that are nearby and, and how easy or how hard was that to get over to the hospital?
0: Well, Moab is Moab for a reason because they are, are really close to these specific uh, two national parks, arches and Canyonlands. You can have uh, a little town with a lot of resources of, I think, about 5,500 people. Um, you can go ahead and use that as your hub very conveniently. There's a lot of camping um, adjacent to the area, too. You don't have to go all the way into town. But uh, they have everything that you would need from a standpoint of, you know, overnight stay, motel restaurants, and, of course, medical facilities. So I was – we had, um, as I mentioned, several people with different ride – uh skill levels
1: mm-hmm.
0: i've got my dr 650 pretty much a novice but uh, i wanted to go i was invited and they said hey let's go we'll practice and do all this other stuff and get your skill level up we had uh two uh, r four 400s uh, drg 400s we had a um uh, a 701 husky my 650 and then we had a 250 Janus. for gosh sakes This is uh, Dave Bowen's a real adventurous rider. It's just not uh, a bike is not meant for real off-roading. His skills aren't great off-roading, but he's, you know, up for most of these things. So he was going to do less challenging things. I was going to do less challenging things. And the other three are pretty darn good. So on the second day of riding, I went through an area I'd gone through the day before somewhat successfully Ended up uh, going over the handlebars because I got into a mix of some real soft stuff and some, you know, hard outcropped rocks. Uh, Went over the handlebars and happened to have broken my collarbone. So stuff happens. So the good news is that, uh, you know, made it back. Uh, The bike was disabled. Turned out I had a cut wire. We were able to go ahead and have that uh, good 701. Um, pull it up the hill so we could get it out of the way, uh, Rolled it back down, bump started it, and then I rode it home the 30 miles. So I was able to do that. I did get back to town and thought that, you know, I was feeling bad enough. I probably should get it diagnosed. So right there in town, regular hospital, emergency room, pretty much a straightforward uh, broken collarbone on a shoulder that, good or bad, I had had uh, problems with the last three or four months. So the good news is I happened to injure the same shoulder. So that ended my writing for the week, but I was made busy the rest of the week doing other things, and so it still turned out to be a yeah, great Yeah, you trip sort of became
1: a photographer at some point. And-
0: yeah, I ended up taking the, uh, uh, the Tacoma out to uh, Arches one day and Canyonlands the other day, I did from one end of the park to the other, and did all you know photo ops i hadn't been down there myself in about 30 years i really love the desert southwest generally and those two areas specifically mm-hmm. and then um the uh, the three guys with the the two drzs the 701 did a lot of things uh together they also split their separate ways and, and a couple of trails they wanted to do individu- uh, individually and then uh, dave on the janus still would go out and do these half day trips and still would just be happily you know, loving, uh, you know, his roots.
1: Yeah. So you all had good stories at the end of the night.
0: And I think we all enjoyed ourselves.
1: All right. Well, there's a little insight to uh, planning a trip out of the Pacific Northwest. A lot of this wisdom you could use in a lot of different places. But I did ask Harvey to come in because I knew he had just done this. So uh, thank you so much, sir, for coming in today. You bet. All right. We're going to take a little break and then we'll be back. With probably, I don't know, one or two last things.
0: Support for Soundwriter and The Soundwriter Show is made possible by the rally in the gorge are you ready to go beyond the main roads since 2003 the rally in the gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the columbia river gorge national scenic area with programs for dual sport adventure sport touring and sport bike enthusiasts this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again for more information visit soundrider.com rally hi my name is rich i live in kingston washington i own several motorcycles uh, BMWs, Ducatis, Harley Davisons, and one of my favorite rides is riding the Olympic Peninsula.
1: Hi, this is Thomas from Haydn Autarios, and you're listening to
0: soundwriter Show.
1: Soundwriter show. Hey, I just want to uh, welcome our our newest production guy, Taylor J. Came all the way from San Diego to work with us, and uh, you can't hear him, you can't see him, but he's back there throwing the switches somewhere. Anyhow, um, this is a tips and tricks segment, and Harvey stuck around, so uh, he and I are going to banter back and forth a couple tips and tricks. What's your What's your tip this month here?
0: Well, one trip, one tip. Uh, about this trip is uh we certainly went ahead and planned this as a go from here to the destination of moab right all week come back but you know road trip is a road trip for god's sakes you've got to go ahead and enjoy you know what you can uh, between here and there and certainly when you get there so we wanted to try to go ahead and enjoy a nice dinner each night when everybody came back you know there were two or three or four different you know Uh, roots and the guys would come back, meet up. We'd go to a different place every night. Big beer lovers. We didn't go out and just say that's all we're doing. We had to have some nourishment, but we enjoyed that sort of thing and occasionally some nice breakfast. And then, you know, uh, going to and coming from, it was nice to go ahead and, and kind of pick a little community that had some character or was more convenient, but that, you know, something to offer besides just being at the right place on the map. And, you know, had a little meal, stretched our legs and You know, a little mental stimulation along the way. It's enjoyable.
1: Well, Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about that because I recently put together an article called Riding with Your Spices. And it was kind of like what's on your spice rack of happiness. It's, you know, motorcycles, obviously, but it might be food, might be museums, it might be all those things. Uh, You know, Connie and I just did a trip down to Oregon, and we, we, we made what we call a culinary junket. And we spent... A lot of money on food, but we got to go and check out a lot of, of the better restaurants and leave the junk food aspect of traveling behind in doing so. So I I'm, I hear you. And, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day soon, we'll all be able to uh, maybe put a concert or a live show into that itinerary.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, speaking of, of media, one of the things we did – is I have satellite uh, Sirius XM satellite app on the uh, phone, so we had an opportunity to listen to a number of things. And actually, one of the things we listened to is a couple of uh, Tom's uh, podcasts. But you know, just we've got hours and hours and hours of stuff. So we were you know following a few podcasts, listening to some satellite, whatever else, just insightful stuff because uh, you know good. Personal conversation is, is good personal conversation. You've got to mix that in with a number of things to entertain yourself on the way down and back yeah, up. It was a lot of fun.
1: Definitely. And there is isn't no shortage of media out there anymore, is no,
0: uh-uh.
1: <laughs> Although, what happened? YouTube went down the other day. Oh, my. I broke some hearts there. Um, well, my tip is uh, when you're going to do a trip like that and you've got a, a group of people, and particularly if you've got cars going um, – to uh, pack a couple extra things, um, uh, you never know when you might need to do a whole tear down of a wheel or tear down you guys tore a carburetor down a couple of them right
0: Well we had a boot that uh, had slipped off and was gagging with a bunch of sand and dust had a uh, carb needle repair that needed to be done so we you know thought ahead and, and uh, did go ahead and bring a few things. there is uh, you know at least one good you know auto parts store in town and mm. had to go ahead and do some resourceful repairs but you know you come back at the end of the day if nothing else end up kind of double checking your chain because you're out there in all that uh really dirty environments uh, the last day of course was cake full of mud and you know you occasionally go ahead and uh drop the bike and have to go ahead and piece things back together so yeah. you know just the typical stuff for experienced riders go ahead and bring a few things you might think you might need especially if you've got uh you know some extra storage, like we did with uh, having a uh, pickup to uh, bring the trailer down, so yeah, no when helped we, us out
1: when we do the the Sasquatch tours or the road trip tours, it's usually a full toolbox in the back of my truck, yep. and uh, we've had to take it out a couple of times, but you know when i'm when I'm out riding on a tour or or just on a multi day trip. Uh, usually the only tools I'll have are just enough to do a level one, level two type service. And that may not be enough for me to get a carb out. So
0: we didn't have to do that on the trail, but, you know, one of the guys broke broke his uh, luggage rack. We had to go ahead and at least zip it, zip tie uh, it out of the way, mm -hmm. you know, just, just things that you can imagine if you're out on a, uh, you know, something other than a, a road ride, because if you're just on a paved surface and nothing catastrophic happens, you really don't need those things. But you know, when you run across a bunch of terrain that can go ahead and, and uh, either chatter you to death or go ahead and, and break when you fall over, you need to maybe take advantage of a little forethought.
1: Great idea. All right, folks, that's uh, that's our show for May, and uh, we will be back in June in some sort of context. But uh, until then, we want you to ride safe, ride well, and ride often.
0: The Sound Writer Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on The Sound Rider Show.